also assumed a professorial air and began with a word or two in an exaggerated British accent, is the capital of Arizona. He ended the imitation, and in his native idiomatic German told his colleagues and well-wishers, more properly he reminded them, like almost every German in the professional class, the engineers at Heidel and Sons were well grounded in geography and history, that the state of Arizona had been incorporated into the United States in 1912, that Phoenix was the state's capital, that to the south of it lay Mexico, to the east New Mexico, to the west California. Why did you and Annabelle choose Arizona? My mother-in-law, my generous mother-in-law, has property there, and will superintend Sebastian's education after Annabelle comes back here to us. The silence was considered, though nobody gave voice to the reason for it. Why would a thirteen-year-old with a U.S. passport hurry to return to Hamburg, Germany in 1939? Utzler broke the silence, harkening back to the subject of Arizona. He liked to frame his remarks in the practical coin of his trade. For the benefit of my colleagues, Phoenix, Arizona, would be traveling west from New York about the same distance as Moscow traveling east is from us here in Hamburg. Now that Herr von Ribbentrop has made a pact with Comrade Stalin, we must all expect one day to visit as tourists the communist land we were taught so diligently to scorn. Heinz. Axel's face contorted with derisive pain. No, no, no. Moscow is much closer. From here to Moscow by train, two days, one night. To Phoenix, from New York, three days, two nights. You may be right. Just my impression. You get back when, Axel? Germaine, the heavyset archivist, her eyeglasses hanging below her neck, wanted to know. In one month, Axel said. Don't let them muck up the Rohrplatz Tower while I'm gone. There was laughter. Herr Heidel beamed with pride, taking a folder from a shelf alongside and opening it to exhibit an artist's sketch of the Rohrplatz Center in Hamburg's industrial zone, scheduled for completion in three months. Perhaps with the hectic construction schedule in Germany in time for Christmas. A quarter of an hour later, after downing a second brandy, Herr Heidel said that he couldn't speak for everyone in the room, but he, as senior partner in Heidel and Sons, had more to do before finally going home than merely drink brandy with his colleagues. We all know that engineers aren't exactly busy in America. Never mind the vigorous economic policies of Mr. Roosevelt's New Deal, he jibed. But unemployment certainly isn't a problem in the Third Reich. Lieber Axel, may God be with you. Axel shook Herr Heidel's hand, and then the hands of the others, who had got the signal that the party was over. He kissed Germaine lightly on her ample forehead, and returned to his office at the other end of the floor to pick up his meticulously packed briefcase. A raincoat over one arm, he stepped into the freshly painted hallway and rang for the elevator. At the desk in the entrance hall, he initialed the register and wrote down the hour. The one-legged clerk nodded at him. Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Axel responded. Chapter 2 August 30th, 1939 He passed through the wrought-iron gate at 38 Hempelstrasse into the compound of the twin apartment buildings. In the stretch of carefully tended lawn, used as a children's playground, he spotted Sebastian. The tall, determined boy was dressed in navy blue playing shorts, and the red and white striped soccer shirt of the Bismarck Gymnasium. His trim, brown hair askew, he was manipulating with gangly yet deft legs the soccer ball, 
shunting it into the sturdy wooden standing board with the painted white markers that framed the prime target area. Spotting his father, Sebastian stooped to pick up the ball as it bounded back. Papa, can I take this with me to America? It's a very special ball, not just like any other ball. You are to speak to me in English, Axel reminded his son. This was the household rule. At home, Annabel will join in the conversation, speaking in English her native tongue. Axel, emigrating to America, would soon have continuing practice in English, the language he had learned during his four years at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And Sebastian, though speaking in German all day long at school in Hamburg, would maintain the English spoken to him by both his parents since his birth in Hamburg just after New Year's Day in 1926. But that little correction was beside the point for Sebastian. The point being, would he be permitted to take his beloved soccer ball with him on the SS Europa, on which, at midnight tomorrow, they'd set sail for New York. You can take it if it will deflate to absolutely flat. I thought you said the Europa was a luxury liner. It is. It and its sister ship, the Bremen. They are the transatlantic pride of the fatherland. Are they better than the Queen Mary and the Normandy? The British make good ships and have a long tradition, and the French crossing with the Normandy last year, or was it the year before, set a world record, so ours are only the second best. Axel put his arm around the shoulder of his son as they walked together to the elevator. When you get to school in Arizona and you speak of our ships, you will need to remember that you will be thought to be speaking of the America and the Manhattan. But I am German. Perhaps. That decision you'll need to make will need to make, on January 3, 1944, when you become 18. At that point you can declare yourself an American or a German, as you will. Right now you share your mother's U.S. passport, dating back to when you were born. One day, before long, you will have your own passport, and you can choose to be an American or a German. Which would you prefer me to be, Papa? The elevator drew to a stop at the ninth floor. Without answering the question, Axel weighted his shoulder against the apartment door, swinging it open into a room with heavy wooden furniture, three standing lamps, a comfortable couch, two armchairs covered in blue corduroy and a substantial library of books. There were sprightly prints at either end, and in the little dining area an oil painting of Cambridge, Massachusetts, after a snowfall. Annabel kissed her husband and got down to business. She addressed her son, already as tall as she, They'll be picking up our trunk at 1400 tomorrow, Sebastian, and you are to put the sports equipment we agreed on into it. And my soccer ball? Axel nodded. I told him yes, provided he got all the air out of it. Annabel was flustered. She looked up covetously at the oil painting. You don't think? Maybe Axel? Annabel. In practiced tones for the benefit of Sebastian, he said, we're hardly going to empty an apartment I'll be living in again in thirty days. Yes, yes, yes. To Sebastian, we'll be taking the suitcases later. They'll come with us when we're ready to board. Yippee! Sebastian had become reconciled in the last fortnight to the prospect of leaving Hamburg and going to school in Arizona. What he mostly relished was the idea of crossing the Atlantic Ocean. What time exactly will we be boarding, Mama? I've got a lot of friends I have to call on to say goodbye. A car will pick us up here at eight. I don't think that gives me enough time. Then you'd better shorten your list of friends. Annabel smiled to one side at Axel.
I'm going to miss my friends, Sebastian said gravely, especially Frederica and Berta, and Wilhelm and Gorky, and Pauline, especially Pauline. I've promised to write to Pauline every day. Will they take the mail from us every day on the Europa? What are they supposed to do? Axel said, thinking to deflate more than just the soccer ball. Give your daily letters to a pigeon to deliver to Pauline? Sebastian, his expression serious, turned playful. Maybe they can give my letters every day to a submarine, Papa. You know we have a lot of submarines. The Führer is crazy about submarines. Annabel turned on her son, Sebastian. Do not use that kind of language about the Führer. I was just joking. Don't joke about the Führer. In Arizona, can we joke about President Roosevelt? Annabel thought quickly of her imperious mother and almost smiled. In America, in the presence of your grandmother, you can say anything you like about President Roosevelt, provided it's unpleasant. She voted for Governor Landon. He was the Republican. Why did grandmother go to live in America? Because she fell in love with your grandfather, grandma's first husband, and he was American. Just like me, your mother, kitten. Annabel sometimes called him that, kitten. Ever since, at age three, Sebastian announced that he would not go to bed without his kitten. I'm an American, and I fell in love with your father, a German. Maybe it would be easier if Hitler just conquered America. His father turned sharply in surprise. Sebastian moved quickly. Or if President Roosevelt just conquered Germany. They had supper. Sebastian, in high excitement over the great voyage in prospect, was in no mood to go to bed. Annabel had anticipated his high spirits, but she and Axel had business to look after. Leaving Sebastian at home, they set out for the Olden. They reached the restaurant bar on Glassy Chaussee, convenient to the park. Strollers headed for the great flying.